the killing of Ayman al-Zawahri, al-Qaeda mastermind and one-time chief lieutenant to Osama bin Laden. Yet another leader is gone, but the idea of al-Qaeda persists. Why? More than two decades of the war against terror and militant groups are still potent, still threatening, and at the heart of this is an idea of radical Islam that more often than not targets other Muslims. Amin Saikal is Professor of Social Sciences at the University of Western Australia. Amin Saikal, thank you so much for giving us your time. My pleasure. The news about Ayman al-Zawahri's death, what impact will that have on al-Qaeda? Well, certainly it's going to be a major blow to the uh, leadership of al-Qaeda. But at the same time, as long as the Taliban are in power in Afghanistan, they will, al-Qaeda will have a safe haven. And as far as I know, al-Qaeda has already established itself in uh, something like half of Afghanistan, 34 provinces. So al-Qaeda has been really growing since uh, August last year when the Taliban took over. I'm really and, interested in that, uh, Amin. Why are the Taliban and al-Qaeda still so close? Well, I mean, they have had the historical ties. I mean, as you know, Bin Laden had moved into Afghanistan mm. in uh, 1996 uh, when the Taliban took over Kabul. And of course, the, the alliance which was established between the Taliban and Al-Qaeda could have not really materialized unless that there was uh, support from a major uh, state or an intelligence service. And that was, of course, Pakistan's powerful military intelligence, mm. ISI. And that uh, alliance was very much based on Al-Qaeda providing funding and fighters for the Taliban and the Taliban providing safe haven for al-Qaeda and, of course, his leadership under Bin Laden. I mean, of course, we're talking about political organisations, but they are also faith-based organisations or certainly use faith as part of their ideology. After more than two decades of the war in terror, why does this this radicalisation, militarisation, weaponization of faith continue to attract those and persist? Well, first of all, it really thrives in the conflict zones, and particularly in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. And these are open zones for these extremist groups to, to emerge. And the second thing is that the level of poverty, social and economic disparities, social and economic injustices, and everything else, and of course, foreign interventions also played a very important role. And it's really created fertile grounds for these sort of groups, not only to emerge, but also to sustain their positions in one form or another. I mean, now we know that Al-Qaeda is completely branched out. There's Al-Qaeda branch in Yemen, there's Al-Qaeda branch in North Africa, and they have been very active. In fact, I just gave a lecture on that issue, uh, how active they've become uh, in terms of hitting uh, high-value targets and getting considerable amount of publicity. And of course, they still also remain very much active in Iraq and uh, Syria. There is a paradox, isn't there? Because while these groups uh, present themselves as almost defenders of the faith, they also target Muslims themselves overwhelmingly, we must remember, that Muslims have been the ones who have been killed in the war on terror, the targets of these particular groups, and so many Muslim clerics as well speaking out against this group, saying it is a perversion of Islam. Well, as the ideology of the group, Ayman al-Zawahiri, was the uh, first person to justify the killing of Muslims by Muslims. Uh, he wrote a paper many years ago in which he said that for the bigger cause, it is permissible 
for Muslims to take care of those Muslims who are opposed to that cause. And that really justified the al-Qaeda killing of Muslims, not only in Afghanistan, but also in many other parts of the Middle East. I mean, he's an interesting figure. I'm an al-Zawahri, as, as Osama bin Laden was, because he's a doctor. He comes out of an, an intellectual family. And many of the senior figures, many of the people who are involved in the 9-11 attacks were university educated, many of them engineers. What turns someone like Ayman al-Zawahri, coming out of Egypt, growing up with other people of other faith, to become a leader of this extreme Islamist group? Yeah, well, I mean, Al-Zawahiri belonged to the Islamic Jihad in Egypt and the elements of the Islamic Jihad were responsible for the killing of President Anwar al-Sadat in 1981. And as a result of that, um, Al-Zawahiri was tried and he was imprisoned and then he uh, he left the country and joined uh, Bin Laden in Afghanistan later on. Uh, I think there is a very deep concern on the part of people like Al-Zawahiri and, uh, for that matter, his predecessor Bin Laden, that uh, the West has been too interventionist and have been trying to really change the landscape of the Muslim world. They've been trying to usurp the Muslim world. I mean, this is their ideological position, mm. and therefore it is their religious obligation to liberate the Muslim world from the yoke of the colonial past as well as the imperialist interventions on the part of the United States and some of its allies in the Middle East. And I think that the US invasion of Afghanistan and the US invasion of Iraq, which provided them with more ammunitions and try to really claim mm-hmm. that actually the West is not only against against our people, but against our religion. And the way they really turned around this whole idea of war on terrorism, that no, it's not war on terrorism, but it's war on Islam. Mm. Amin Saikal, Professor of Social Sciences at the University of Western Australia, co-author of Islam Beyond Borders, the Ummah in World Politics. Thank you again. My pleasure. You're on the Religion and Ethics Report on RN and the ABC Listen app. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.